After a famous podcast, I received a lot of messages saying, I'm a guy, but I have girl ADHD, or I'm a parent of a girl with ADHD who appears to have boy ADHD. What's going on? This week in ADHD Powerful Possibilities, we are going to look at what is the fact and the truth behind some of the claims in a recent famous podcast, but we're going to look at the presentations of ADHD. Join me while we look at some of the myths that have been shared in a very famous recent podcast. And no, you don't have girl ADHD or boy ADHD. What's up, my friend? It's episode 12 of ADHD Powerful Possibilities. I'm ADHD coach Catherine, and this week we are looking at what are the presentations of ADHD, what do they look like, and how do you know which one is affecting you most? And how do you know where you sit within those presentations? Thank you for the lovely welcome back last week. I'm really delighted that you're still enjoying the podcast. Thank you for the reviews and please keep sending your questions. They do make a difference to what I record and what I write. This week we're going to look at ADHD presentations. In the olden days, not that long ago, they were called different types of ADHD. What we understand is that it's all ADHD, but how it presents to the outside world and maybe how we experience it looks different. And so presentation is a more accurate word for the different presentation of ADHD, but they're all ADHD. So think of ADHD as kind of a mosaic and there are different parts that join up to make different presentations of ADHD. And the first one we're going to look at is predominantly inattentive. Inattentive is something that I have heard people call girl ADHD. It could not be more untrue. There are many men and boys with ADHD who present in an inattentive fashion and they might be the ones who are a bit more dreamy, a bit more out of touch or who are just not out there rampaging around. There are lots of girls who have what some people call boy ADHD. We'll come back to that though. Inattentive ADHD, it can feel like your mind is a bit of a butterfly and that was something that was written about me in a school report 40 years ago. It's a fantastic mind, it can focus and land on something but it can flutter off really easily. But it's not just about being easily distracted. We may find that inattentive presentation ADHD people are more likely to lose their keys to forget important dates. For me, it was forgetting something that someone had told me in the morning and that I failed to do in the afternoon because things happened in between. We might struggle to focus on conversations, but it's not because we're not listening, it's because our inner conversation is so powerful and engaging and not always in a positive, really nice, airy-fairy way. Because we have this rich inner life, we can appear to be more creative, maybe because we're just more aware of what's going on inside, because we have these moments of connection. But the downside of inattentive ADHD is that we can often ruminate and then we can begin to spiral down. So if you're aware of that habit, that tendency, that pattern, you can learn to control it and head the spiral and rumination off really quickly. The second presentation is predominantly hyperactive and impulsive. This is the one that most people think about with ADHD and it generally is the part of the DSM which says you are driven like a motor. You're physically active, you can't sit still, you're fidgeting, you're tapping your feet. With adults this can become an internal thing or it can be diminished and controlled into things like clicking your pen, twiddling your keys, fidgeting with your hair. Some of these are body-focused repetitive behaviours, which is a method of self-soothing, but that's something else. 
think of Dr. Halliwell's description of ADHD as having a racing car brain with bicycle brakes. And that is classic hyperactive impulsive ADHD. We tend to blurt things out. We can be physically and mentally unable to stop and slow down. And that's really distressing because we want to be able to slow down. We want to control our attention and our thought process. It can lead to real social problems if you are somebody who constantly fidgets and blurts and interrupts. At the same time, it can give us incredible energy and passion when it's harnessed in the right direction and when we're given the support and the love and the compassion to lean into it. And then we have the combined presentation, which is where many people fall. We have inattentive presentation traits, but we also have the kind of racing car, drive it around the butterfly garden. We might find that we're constantly shifting gears and not in a way that's useful. We might feel that we were more uh, hyperactive and impulsive when we were young, and then we become more combined or inattentive as we get older. But again, I think that's because it all turns inward. Or we develop coping strategies that allow us to compensate. What happens when these presentations of ADHD meet everyday life? How are they going to show up for you? With inattentive ADHD, we might find it harder to make connections. We might find that we lose out on opportunities because we have drifted off when somebody was talking about something. They assume that we're not interested, that we don't care. And so, disaster. Again, it's about A, education of yourself and the people around you. B, making strategies and structures that allow your inattentiveness to not impact things like your work, your home and especially relationships. And I want to include your relationship with yourself in that one because if you're inattentive and you are more prone to rumination, it's really important that you understand this is a brain-based difference, not a personal flaw or a weakness. Hyperactive and impulsive ADHD can appear like a real strength. Think of somebody like Michael Phelps. Now, he's one of the most successful swimmers of all time, but his mother was told that he would never come to anything because of his ADHD. Think about people like Dr. Halliwell, who I just mentioned, who cannot take medication, and yet he is one of the most successful clinicians and writers about ADHD. The trick with impulsive and hyperactive ADHD is to create your focus on something that is really engaging and interesting and you passionate about and finding ways to express your vitality, your energy without losing control. It might be that you need something like a really dynamic type of yoga to allow you to connect your mind and your body while at the same time giving your body that sense of rhythm and ease that you get from movement. For me it was about dance because I could combine my love of music with my physical energy and bring them both together and that would be really dedicated for many years. With combined presentation, it is complex. Again, we get to pick and mix. We use different strategies from different areas in a way that makes sense for your brain and your life. We're not all one, we're not all the other, but it can still be challenging and hold you back if you're not aware of where it's showing up. But let's be really clear. The different presentations of ADHD are a starting point. They're not the end and they're not discrete categories, which is one of the reasons why I sometimes think about ADHD as a spectrum. It's especially true that your presentation might fluctuate if you have a menstrual cycle, if your hormones are all over the place, if you're going through puberty. These things make a real difference. And you might find that you have more energy and your hyperactive presentation is more obvious at one point in your cycle and yet your inattentive, ruminative 
downbeat presentation is more common the week before your period. And when we're in perimenopause, all bets are off. Let's not reduce people to stereotypes. And although labels are really valuable, and I passionately believe that giving ourselves a label isn't a limiting thing, I want to make sure that people understand the diagnosis of ADHD and the presentations are not about stereotypes. We are full, rounded, wonderful, complex human beings. We all have dreams. We all have our individual challenges. We all have a vision, a passion somewhere. And no presentation of ADHD should limit you from pursuing that. I want to conclude with a look at a very famous podcast, which I see clips of all over the internet. There are some really huge clangers in there. I think it's a presentation or miscommunication issue rather than a willful misrepresentation, but I want to explore it with you. I want to finish off by just clearing up some of the things that I'm seeing being repeated every week and that are not helpful. The first is the idea that there is girl ADHD and boy ADHD. There is no such thing. Some studies suggest that outward presentation of ADHD can be different in girls because of our social conditioning, the expectations, the idea boys will be boys, girls will be girls. But there are many impulsive and hyperactive girls and many inattentive boys. The boys are missed, right? Because they're not showing that typical presentation that people are looking for. So I find this presentation, according to girl or boy, really unhelpful. It's really not going to help people. But more importantly, the idea that girls get worse and boys grow out of it, it's just not true. I want to make it clear that the lost generation of ADHD isn't exclusive to women. Women over 50 are being called the lost generation of ADHD. But I want to make it very clear that there are many men who fall into that category of a lost generation as well. And there are lots of people who are late diagnosed and who are unable to access support because of the stigma. There are lots of reasons they might not have had a diagnosis earlier in their life. The diagnostic criteria has changed. There's some shame around what we thought was behavioural, but we now know to be neurological. There's a lack of awareness and there's also the availability of a diagnosis. Some of the language used in that podcast around things like depression, anxiety and self-harm was alarming from an ethical mental health point of view. Now, it is not untrue to say that undiagnosed adult ADHD can lead to more significant risk of anxiety, depression, self-harm and so on. But it's really important we don't stigmatise or damage people who are suffering with these very real conditions more than they already are. And it's really important to discuss that these are manageable with the right support. And although self-diagnosis, which was really supported in that podcast, is important given how difficult it is or impossible for many of us to access a diagnosis, I think it's a bit irresponsible to focus so much on a very detailed personal account and focus on that. And although we may identify with many of the symptoms or traits that that person experienced, as I explained in the last podcast, there are many things that look like ADHD but which are not which is why we need an accurate diagnosis and treatment plan to support us. And diagnosing yourself may be the only option you have right now, but please always keep in mind that 
you need to have other things excluded so that you can really get the help that is right for you. And finally, with that podcast, please go and find reliable authorities on ADHD. Yes, there are a lot of people who complain about credentialism. And I always tell people I'm a certified ADHD coach. But that's because there are lots of people who spread information that I would never share. And that's why having a credential is about giving other people some trustworthy, reliable advice. Let's finish off with looking at what you can do depending on what presentation of ADHD you may experience. For inattentive ADHD, we're looking at making our inner world external and visual and attractive so that we can catch our eye on something when we've when we've drifted off for a second. Personally, I rely heavily on my whiteboard, on my external planner. I use a notion planner. I use a paper planner. I also have a calendar on the wall. I have reminders set on my phone because I know that my inattentive traits with an ADHD will get in the way of me fulfilling my job. And although it might sound counterintuitive, actually using mindfulness can help you to stay engaged and focused because you're giving your mind that space that it's looking for. With hyperactive and impulsive presentation of ADHD, you're looking for some way to channel that energy and focus. We want to look for positive outlets. Now, this is going to be really personal depending upon what you're interested in, what's available to you, what your financial and physical capabilities are. But things like regular exercise can actually decrease that impulsivity and they can improve your focus and attention. I find hobbies like really detailed things like knitting, crochet and drawing really help when my brain is whizzing and it's really hyperactive. They have the bonus side effect of A, producing really cute things and B, they are a fidget that is socially acceptable. And again, making sure that you've got time in your day for a bit of deep breathing and maybe a bit of mindfulness can really help to centre your focus. And mindfulness, when it's adapted for ADHD, is one of the most powerful tools that you can get. For the combined presentation of ADHD, you get to pick whatever works for you from the last two. I use all of the strategies because I am mostly a combined presentation ADHD. Now I'm older. So I have both mindfulness practices, I have all the external reminders, and I also use a lot of regular movement. When I go for a daily walk every day, my brain is a much happier organ and it works much better. And don't forget, I have got a wonderful quiz that you can download, which will help you to determine which presentation of ADHD is most likely the one that you are living with. And when you download it from the link below, you will also be able to access a voucher for a discount on the ebook coming at the end of the month and the webinar that goes with it, where we're going to discuss ADHD presentations and get some practical strategies in place for you. I would love to know what you know about your presentation, what's worked for you, what hasn't. If you've got a really fantastic strategy that you would love to share, let me know. And let's really support each other as we go forward with our ADHD brains. Next week, I want to share some of your stories. If you want to tell me about your experience of a presentation of ADHD, ADHD was like for you, and how you're living with it now, please get in touch with me. You can message me or email me, and I would love to include either a 
clip from you or I can read out your own message. So let me know. Next week, we're going to look at your experience of living with ADHD. And after you've shared your story, I'm going to offer some some insight from my experience of working with people with ADHD so that you can learn from each other and also hear what's going to be useful for you. Next week, I want to share your stories. You can leave me a voice note. You can send me an email. But whatever we do, I want to make sure that your experience of the different presentations of ADHD is heard. And then I'm going to offer some insight and some maybe some strategies or ideas, some things that you might want to play with for your own ADHD. And don't forget to take the quiz and get in touch if you're interested in the webinar about ADHD and its presentations. Thank you for joining us today. If you found value in this episode, please subscribe and share it with someone else you know who might benefit or who you want to understand you better. Remember, your journey with ADHD is an ongoing journey of growth, but you're not alone anymore. Until next time, this is Catherine reminding you that with the right guidance, the possibilities really are powerful and endless. Take care.